Speaking of kids, it's kind of, uh, when you look at the world, the future of our kids, I don't know if you all think about this a lot, but I think about the future world for my kids, and I think about what that world looks like, and honestly, when I think about the future, I get, there's some anxiety that comes with that. There's some worry that comes with that. I don't know about you, what do you think about when you think about the future? I mean, just in general, what do you think about when you think about the future? I think for a lot of us, there are some of those same emotions uh, of worry and anxiety, maybe even hopelessness. And there's a lot of good reasons to feel that way. I mean, you look at the world around us. I mean, what a great weekend we had last weekend. What a great weekend for so many places all around the world and in our state. I mean, the weather was just absolutely beautiful and people from from all over the state gathered to celebrate a risen Savior. And then what happened Monday morning? In Louisville, downtown Louisville, there's a there's a shooting with with five or six people killed and, and and that many more and more hurt. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be worried about the future because the world that we live in now is not the same world that, that a lot of us grew up in. There's a lot of reasons to feel that way. And that, that doesn't even include like, you know, a global pandemic. You know, we we're just coming out of that. I mean, who who would have ever imagined that? There's there's wars, there's sickness, there's death, there's so many things that, that cause us to be worried about the future. Events and thoughts like that make us ask ourselves some scary questions. Questions like, is there really any real security in this life? What does the future really hold for us? Can we actually find freedom from, from our fear and our anxiety and our worries? What if I told you because of what we celebrated last weekend, the same thing that we celebrate every week, weekend here though, the, the reason that we celebrate Easter, because of that we have a future that is full of hope. That doesn't have to be full of worry and fear and anxiety. That instead it can be filled with peace and hope and and just a feeling of secureness. We're going to look at a short passage from the book of Colossians. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul, who's the author of that, that book, is going to tell us three reasons why the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope for a future, gives us a hopeful future. He says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. I want to tell you, our future is hopeful because of several things that we find in this passage. And the first one is this, is that our body will be made new. We'll experience a resurrection as well. We will experience a resurrection too. I don't know about you, but as I get older, I'm looking forward to an upgrade in my body. And some of y'all are looking for an upgrade in my body as well, but uh, look, you know, the, the dad bod, that's, that's kind of the trendy thing right now, right? And I don't know who, what agency came up with that marketing, but I'm glad they did uh, because it makes me not feel guilty about not going to the gym. Uh, I got, I had a statement on my credit card that said I'd paid for a gym membership and the bank called me and they thought it was a fraudulent charge I was like you're right it was but no matter what we do to prevent that our bodies age don't they 
and people spend hundreds and thousands of dollars to prevent their bodies from aging and breaking down. But the inevitable is, is that your body will over time break down. It will age. It will, it will, it will just decay. I've been umpiring a lot of baseball games lately, and uh, this week I, I think I've probably done somewhere in the neighborhood of about a thousand squats. Um, and I'm telling you, my knees feel it. They hurt all the time. And, and, I, and I get it, I could stop doing it, and, and they, but you know what? They would still hurt. Uh, the inevitable is, is that our bodies break down over time. But Paul says, the Apostle Paul says that Christ's resurrection is our resurrection too. So what's that really mean? What does, what does resurrection really mean? Well, Christianity is all about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we talk about the resurrection, we're talking about a specific thing usually. We're talking about a specific event. The event that we celebrated last weekend where Christ rose from the dead. Where he, His body rose from the tomb. Not just His spirit, okay? We need to be clear about that as Christians. That we don't believe that Jesus just spiritually rose from the dead. We believe that His body came out of the grave. That He physically got up from the dead. After his crucifixion, people saw Jesus. People saw him. They talked with him. They ate with him. That's how we know he wasn't a ghost. You know, it wasn't just this people hallucinating, thinking they were seeing something. They actually ate with him. Ghosts don't need to eat. I mean, and where would it go anyway if they did, right? He, they ate with him. Thomas, the, the disciple with that very unfortunate nickname, Doubting Thomas, he said, I won't believe until I'm able to put my hands in his hands. And he was able to actually take his fingers and put his fingers in the, in the holes that pierced Jesus' body. He was real. They saw him. People talked with him and ate with him. And it was his same body. But it was a new and different body as well. Our resurrection bodies will be the same. They will be real. Theologically, the resurrection of Jesus is important for a couple of reasons. Number one, it confirms his deity. Jesus was not only man, but he was also God. And we have always believed that, that Jesus was God incarnate, God in the flesh. Christians have always believed that Jesus was 100% man and also 100% God at the very same time. That he was both. Lots of religious figures have claimed to be God throughout the history of the world. But only one has ever proved that they were God by rising, by rising from the dead. And this, look, I've told you this before, you've heard me say this before. The reason we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that He is the Son of the living God, is not because He said He was. It's because He predicted His death, and He predicted His resurrection, and then He did it. And look, if you can, if if you got some other body, some other guy out there that you know that can raise themselves from the dead, guess what? You go follow that guy. But guess what? There aren't any others because none of them have ever been able to do it. Only one, Jesus, is the only one who's ever been able to bring himself back to life. And he had a bodily resurrection from the grave. Second, the resurrection of Jesus is is the public display of God's victory over and triumph over three great enemies, over sin and Satan and death. The resurrection of Jesus defeats all of those things. Because, the resurrection of sin, because of the resurrection of Jesus, sin no longer has any power over us. It, it no longer chains us. It no longer binds us to, to anything. We are free from the power of sin. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, Satan, the enemy of our souls, has been defeated. And I am so glad for that. There are days when I feel like Satan's winning the battle. And there are days when Satan probably does win the battle, but guess what? He doesn't win the war. We've read the back of the book. We win in the end, right? God wins in the end. 
And, and because of the resurrection of Jesus, death does not get and will not get the final word. That's why we call the message of Jesus good news, because death isn't the end. What a hopeless world this would be if all there was to it was to live and to die. What hope would there be in that? What, would life even be worth living if all there was for us was the promise that, hey, we're going to live for a little while, and then we might live a long time, we might live a short time, we don't know. We, we might die of old age, or we might die in a car accident, and that's it. That's all there is. What, that's, what hope would there be? There wouldn't be any. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, death doesn't have the final word. We have a hope of life after death. Over 2 billion people in the world celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because we all believe that we will experience a resurrection too. And here's, here's the thing that we all need to remember is that actually everybody will experience a resurrection. But not everybody will go to be with Jesus forever. God will not force people who do not believe in Him, who do not want to have a relationship with Jesus, into a relationship with Him. Instead, God will give them what they want. It's why C.S. Lewis famously said, hell is locked from the inside. Christians believe that there is a day coming when Jesus will return to this earth. And on that day, Christians from all ages will be united together again with our resurrected bodies, with new bodies, without sin, without disease, without sickness, without migraines. Man, I'm looking forward to that. I'm telling you, I'm... I'm almost as excited for what's not going to be in heaven as I am for all the things that are going to be there. Because look, you you ever think about what's not going to be in heaven? There's not going to be any migraines. There's a a comedian that writes a a song about this, and and he says, there's not going to be any taxes. I just filed my taxes this week. (laughs) I'm I'm looking forward to a day where there are no more taxes. If you you, uh, got a refund, maybe you're, you're glad, but I tell you, uh, me and Uncle Sam don't get along that great. I'm looking forward to a day where there's no more taxes. I'm looking forward to a day when there's no more stomach aches, where there's no more, no more sickness and disease. There's, there's no more uh, telemarketers. I mean, I mean, I know it's not the same as, as it was when I was growing up when, when a telemarketer would call at dinner time and you had to go answer a landline phone and you had to listen to your dad yell at them you know, about you eating dinner. at the, you know, I'll call you when, when your family's eating dinner and then we'll see how you like it then. It's not the same thing anymore. But they call our cell phones all the time. And there's not going to be any extended car warranties, right? There's none of that. We're going we're gonna to have a resurrected body in the future. And Paul tells us a second hopeful reality about our future. Not only will we have a resurrected body, but our future will be secure because our resurrected body will go to a real place. Heaven. Heaven is a real place. What happens after Jesus returns and and we are resurrected? Well, the answer is, is we go to heaven. Heavenly bodies go to a heavenly place. It just makes sense, doesn't it? How do you picture heaven? What do you think about when you think about heaven? What kind of images come to mind? What kind of activities come to mind? Um, Science fiction writer Isaac Asimov says this. He says, I don't believe in the afterlife. And so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. Let me just tell you, Isaac Asimov is wrong. Heaven will not be a boring place. 
Heaven's not like the, the show the, the Good Place either. If you've ever seen the show The Good Place on Netflix, uh, it won't be like that either. I think it's closer to that than, than what Isaac Asimov thinks. But, but it's going to be an exciting place. It's going to be a, 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 an enjoyable place. It's going to be a great place. Heaven is more real and more beautiful and more exciting and more, more daring than we ever dare to imagine. There, it's going to be more real, in fact, than this, even in this present world that we live in. I think the best description of heaven can be found in, in the last book of Revelation, uh, in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. Now let me just summarize a little bit about what's said about heaven in that book. It says this, that heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Some people think of heaven as, as just a state of mind, uh, as a non-physical realm. But just as God made humans as physical beings, humans, heaven is a physical reality as well. Heaven is a real place where our real resurrected bodies will go. And there are walls, and there are gates, and there are stones, and there are gyms, and there are streets uh, of gold filling the city. There are fruit trees, there are animals, there's even a river. And so the question is, if heaven is real, then where is it? Well, Scripture teaches that heaven will come down to earth. The earth we currently live in will be completely renewed and restored, and it will be put back into its original condition before things unraveled, before the fall of man, before sin entered into the equation. And can you imagine what that world looks like? Imagine the oceans with no pollution, forests with no fires and no clear-cutting, no natural disasters ever. All of the animals of the world living in harmony and peace with each other and, and we'll be right there alongside of them. Heaven is a real place that will come to earth as the new heavens and the new earth. It's a real place. It's also a holy place. Heaven is a holy place because God is there. The, the dominant description of heaven that we find in Scripture is the presence of God. God Himself will live with His people. We will forever be in His presence. And let me just tell you, that's going to be the greatest thing about heaven. All these other things that we're going to talk about in just a moment too, they're all great things, but the greatest thing about heaven is, is going to be that God is there and we are there with Him. I hear at funerals a lot of times, uh, we talk about the, the reuniting of family members, of, of loved ones. You know, when somebody dies, we say, you know, they, they're reunited with, with so-and-so. And, 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 and honestly, that's something to look forward to. I look forward to, to being reunited with my sister and to be reunited with my grandparents. I look forward to that. But let me just tell you, the greatest thing about heaven is not that my sister and not that my grandparents are going to be there. It's that God is there. Now, let me just tell you, if you don't want anything to do with God now, and if worshiping God and discovering more about, of God annoys you now, well, you're probably not going to like heaven very much. But heaven is going to be a great place because it's a holy place, because God is there. Heaven's a safe place. All of us live with a certain amount of fear knowing that anything can happen to us at any time. We, we don't ever know what's around the next corner, do we? Um, I was talking to a lady uh, this week and and uh, she was asking me about my boys and, and just, she said, you know, she hadn't seen them in a long time. And I was telling them, you know, that they're, they're driving and they, they've got jobs and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, hasn't made the comment about, you know, I'm, I'm glad there weren't cell phones really readily available when I was growing up so that my dad couldn't track my location all the time. But, um, but now that Noah and Eli are driving, I am so thankful that Life360 app exists. Because I can track them. And I can see how fast they're driving. Right, Noah? I can see how fast they're going uh, on that. 
And I do that because I worry about my kids. There's a different fear as a parent when your kids start driving and they leave the house. I didn't know that fear until, until they turned 16, but now that's a, that's a real fear, that's a real worry. Anything can happen at any moment. But in heaven, in heaven there are no more fears, there are no more worries, there are no more tears, no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. All of those things that, that, that worry us now, all of those will be gone. And why will that be true? Because there will be no more sin. And no more crime and no, no more environmental disasters, no sickness, disease, disease, no more heartaches. All of those things are gone in heaven. Heaven's going to be a safe place. It's a real place. It's a holy place. It's a safe place. It's going to be a multi-ethnic place. Heaven will be filled with people from every tribe and nation and tongue. All different people groups from all over the world will be represented there. And I think that, honestly, that's one of the things that, that excites me the most. Um, there's, a, there's a church group that, that, I, that some of us jokingly uh, refer to as the group of us four and no more because they think they're, they're the only ones that have everything right and they're the only ones going to be in heaven, right? And so we say it's, they say it's us four and no more. That's all that's going to be there. And I think they're going to be sorely disappointed when they get to heaven and they find out that there's all kinds of people there. There's, there's Christians there. And look, there are going to be people that go to different churches that are going to be there because they believe in the same Jesus that we believe in. They have a relationship with the same Jesus that we have a relationship with. There are going to be people from different political parties there. I know for Republicans that might be hard to believe that there are going to be Democrats there. Well, a couple of them anyway. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But heaven's going to be full, is going to have the full range of of the world's ethnic and cultural diversity. Those cultural distinctions that divide us now will not divide us in heaven. Instead, they will unite us. And instead of each ethnic and cultural dis- distinction that, uh, div- divider, instead will bring g- glory to God in, in its own unique way. And honestly, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to, to be able to worship, with, with, to worship God with people from Africa who I've never met before. But in heaven, it will be like we have known each other our entire lives. I can't wait to worship with people from Asia who I've never met before. But in heaven, they will, they will be my brothers and my sisters in Christ. That's going to be an amazing experience. One of the, one of the th- good things that came about as a result of COVID was, was the, the boom in Zoom worship. Uh, where people were able to, to, to worship through, through the app Zoom. And, you know, it was just a live streaming app. And, and people from all over the world would gather in this app. And they would worship. And it was an incredible thing to experience. I remember being on one Zoom call one night. And there were, just, there were people from all over the world. And I couldn't understand most of what they were saying because they didn't speak really, really good English. Not that I speak great English either. My accent sounded really funny to them too. But it was just such a powerful moment. That people from all over the world, divided by countries and, and oceans and time zones, were united in their worship of Christ. And that's what heaven's going to be like. Heaven's going to be a deeply satisfying place. Tonight, millions of people around the world will go to bed hungry. All over the world, people are struggling with their purpose in life. They hate their job. And they're totally unsatisfied with the life that they're living. But these things won't be true in heaven. 
Heaven will be a place uh, of life and fullness. There will be no lack. There will be no longings. There will, there will be no have-nots. There will be no people on the social fringe. When, when we think of the pleasures of this world and all of its luxuries and all of its comforts, we, and we tend to think that those ultimately satisfy us, but deep down we know that they don't, don't we? But in heaven, all will be satisfied. You'll be satisfied with the presence of God Himself. And every need and desire that you have will be met in heaven. For all of those reasons and more, Paul tells us in our, in our passage there in Colossians 3 that we should yearn for all that is above. That we should feast on the treasures of the he- heavenly realm. That we should fill our thoughts with, with heavenly realities. Let me just tell you, if you want to have a hope for your future, then you need to orient your life around the reality of heaven because your future is secure and hopeful because you'll have a new body a new resurrected body, and heaven will be your home. Paul tells us one more thing, not about our future, but about our present reality that I think is encouraging for us. He says this, he says, Our true life is revealed, that we're hidden with God in Christ, and through that our true life is revealed. It's one thing to think about the future, right? But it's another to deal with life in the present. Look, some of you are going through some hard things right now. And you're wondering how you're going to get through any of it. Our church is full of wonderful people. We are, but we're far from a perfect crowd, right? We, we're, we're, we're struggling with all sorts of hard stuff. We're all messed up here. So, so we could just kind of say, welcome to our church. No perfect people allowed. The Apostle Paul wants to speak into our lives and into our identity. We think true, true life is found in a, in a successful career and a meaningful marriage and, and kids who, who grow up to make a great life for themselves and, and just in traveling all over the world, right? But Paul wants us to know that, that, that Jesus is more than just that, that, that those things, none of them are inherently wrong. They're not. Those are all great things and all great things to strive for. None of them are, are inherently wrong, but none of those things are our identity. None of those things are our purpose. Paul wants us to know that Jesus wants more for our life. He wants us to know that, that, that we're able to discover who we really are. And when we discover who we really are, we're able to know what our purpose in life is. That we can make an impact and create a lasting legacy that will outlive us through Christ. Paul says that, that our heavenly identity is real, but it's also hidden. If you're a follower of Jesus, that means several things here. It means if, you're, if our life is hidden with Jesus, then we're safe. Things that are hidden are not lost, right? Things that are hidden are not lost. Things that are hidden are out of sight. They're out of danger. In Jesus, we are safe. If our life is hidden with Jesus, then we have an identity. The world says our identity is found in who you want to be and what you want to do. As soon as you meet someone and you figure out what their name is, what's the next question that you always ask or they ask you? Well, what do you do for a living, right? Because that's what your identity is wrapped up in. What, what do you do for a living? And so that's kind of the mantra of our, of our culture is go and find yourself. And, and culture says that we find our identity by discovering uh, our, our sexuality or our career or, or, or by making our mark in this life. That that's how we, we know who we are. That that's our identity. But, but look, if you, if you watch any culture, action, pop culture today, you know that people all around the world are struggling with their identity. People are confused about their identity. 
They say, people say, I don't really know who I am, so I identify as this or I identify as that. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful or, or offensive. I'm just saying that people are confused about their identity. And yet Jesus says something completely different. He says, your identity is not found in who you are, but in whose you are. When Jesus was baptized by John, by John as he was coming out of, the, out of the water, what did God the Father say? He said, this is my son whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. And notice, notice when God said that. When God the Father said that, He said that before Jesus had done any miracles, before Jesus had told any parables, before Jesus had, had gathered a group of followers, before Jesus was really well known, God the Father said this about His Son. This is my Son, with Him I am well pleased and I love. And let me just tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, God says this to you, this is my Son. He says this to you, this is my son, this is my daughter. With you I, I am well pleased and you are loved. That's your identity, that you are a son or a daughter of the, of the highest, utmost king, that you're a son or a daughter of the creator of the universe. Think about how cool that is. The, the very same God who said, said, let there be light, and all of a sudden there was light. The very same God who hung stars in the sky, who told the oceans exactly how far they could come. You are a son or a daughter of that God, that's incredible. That's your identity. It's not in your job. It's not in your gender. It's not in, in, in any of those things that our culture says, well, this is how you got to figure out who you are. Your identity is not in who you are, but in whose you are. And if you want to be in a relationship with Him, your identity is not going to be about your job or who you marry or where you go to school. Your identity is going to be found in a relationship with Jesus. I love to travel to other countries, and maybe this might help explain that a little bit better. I love to travel to other countries, especially the, the Caribbean countries, because it's always warm there. But no matter how bad or wonderful that place is, my passport says I belong to the United States of America. That's what my passport says. I am a citizen of the United States of America. And that's what Paul is getting at in this. He says, you live in this world, but your passport says you belong to Christ. Heaven is your home. And because of the resurrection, your future is secure. You'll get a new body and you'll get a wonderful place to live called heaven. You know who you are because you're hidden with God in Christ. I want to wrap up our time this, uh, this morning just using a few minutes to, to clearly explain what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ. Because the, new, the good news of, of Christianity, wh why we call the gospel is this, is that we are, Tim Keller said it this way, he said, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believed, yet at the very same, very same time we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. No one has ever lived up to their own personal standards of morality. We don't meet our own standards, let alone God's standards. We've all missed the mark. We've, we, we've all done wrong. And, and Paul's very clear in the book of Romans about what the consequences for that is. He says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is eternal separation from, from God. But God in His love and in, and in His mercy knew that we were going to need a rescue plan. And this is what amazes me about God that from the very beginning of time. From the very beginning, from the moment he said, let there be light, he knew that humans were going to screw it up. He knew that we were going to get it wrong. He, so he knew there was going to need to be a plan in place for our redemption. And from the very beginning of time, 
From that moment God said, let there be light, the, the redemptive plan was put into place for us. And eventually it came to fruition where, G, where God sent His one and only Son to die in our place for our sin. Jesus was the perfect and final sacrifice for our sin. Fully paying the spiritual debt that we could not pay ourselves. And then He was buried in a tomb, and three days later He rose from the grave. The tomb was empty. His body was gone. We celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection because of that. Because it means absolutely everything to followers. Without the resurrection, the Apostle Paul says that we have no hope. That we have no faith. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there would be no reason for us to gather this morning. And look, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then I just want to tell you there are four things that God wants from you. And the first one is this. is that you would accept His love. That you would put down your guard. That you would put down all the things that, that are keeping you from, from being a follower. And that you would just accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. That you would accept His love and His grace and His mercy. Secondly, that you would believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. That's what it means to have faith in God. That, that you just believe in Jesus. That you believe that He did what He said He was going to do. And, and look, you don't have to take my word for it. You don't. Because there are, there are literally hundreds of documents and eyewitness testimony to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Did you know this? That we have more more. A historical documented fact uh, about Jesus than we do any other historical figure. We 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 have more about we know more about Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection than we do about Aristotle or or uh, um, Socrates or any of those guys. And yet we accept all of those things as true, right? So why would we not accept what Christ has done for us? So have have faith in Christ. Third would be that we that you would just turn away from sin. We, we use a big church word for that called repentance. And look, all that really means is that we just change our mind about sin. It doesn't mean that we're not going to still struggle with sin. It doesn't mean that we're still not going to fall short and sin. We, we do every day. We do every week. It just means that we're going to change our attitude and our mind about sin. Instead of walking towards sin, I'm going to turn and change my direction. And I'm going to walk toward Christ. That's what repentance is. And Jesus calls us to that. And then the fourth thing would be just to commit your life to following Him. And, I, and I'm not talking about becoming more religious or even just becoming a better person. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus that begins with, with identifying yourself with Jesus through His death, burial, and resurrection that we witness through baptism. Last week, uh, we, we were able to witness two, two people be born into Christ. And I, and I made the comment that baptisms are the closest thing to a resurrection that we see on this side of heaven. And I believe that to be true. Because in baptism, we are dying to our old self. And we're being buried. We're, we're being put in a grave. That's why we call it a watery grave. And in that watery grave, we, like Jesus, don't stay dead. Jesus didn't stay dead, and so neither do we. And we come up. We're, we're raised to, to walk in a new life. There's a resurrection that takes place there. And we're no longer bound by sin and, and death and Satan because the resurrection of Jesus conquers all of those things. And our baptism represents our defeat of sin and Satan and death. And so if you've never committed to following Christ, I would just pray that this morning you would, you would at least start thinking about it. Maybe today's not the day that you're ready to make that step. But, it, but if it is, great. I tell you, I turned the, the heater on the baptistry last night so the water's warm. All right? But maybe today's not the day that you're ready to do that. 
Maybe today's the day where you just start thinking about it. Maybe you just start having those conversations with yourself and having those conversations with people that you love and that you know uh, want, want what's best for you. But if it's today, then step out in faith. Are you willing to say that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? That I accept Him as my Lord and as my Savior? Not because Adam told you to, but because the resurrection of Jesus proves that we'll have a resurrection too. That we'll have a real new body, a real heavenly home, a real safe and secure future. That's my hope for all of us. That's the Apostle Paul's hope for all of us. That's Christ's hope for all of us. Would you pray with me?